Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Amen, amen. Homecoming. It's an invitation to return. And that's what we look at this morning. You may be seated. The images you saw from this last song, they may be familiar to you. They're taken out of Luke chapter 15 from the story of the prodigal son. And in this story, Jesus wants to teach us a little bit more about the heart of who God is, especially who God is towards us at times when we struggle, at times when we wander. And I don't know about you, this last season, 2022 and even before, there have been seasons of struggle. There have been seasons of wandering and just the challenges that's there. And and it's at these moments and these times, I don't know about you, I, I need to be reminded that the heart of God is good. And that his goodness doesn't extend simply to the world, but that his goodness extends to me, even at times when I struggle. And even at times when I wander aimlessly away. And so what I love about Easter is it takes a passage like Luke chapter 15 and it makes it something more than simply just a good story. We're going to see this, that the resurrection gives truth the power to change and transform your lives. And so today we want to take a moment and look at that passage. And I want to just encourage you today to just, in this moment, to just open your hearts. And on this Easter morning, simply say, God, what do you want to say to me? Not, not to everybody else. Not to, what, what do you need to say to me in my heart on this day? And so that's where we're looking. And so let me take you to that passage, Luke chapter 15. And if you got your phone, if you go to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes are there. I'll put them on the screen that you can follow along. And it's, Jesus tells a story, a parable, and he says this. He says, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So the son takes his inheritance and all that he has, and he begins to wander. And in that wandering, he loses absolutely everything. He loses his wealth. He loses his relationships. He loses his purpose in life. In fact, in the next verses, we we pick up the story, and he's actually wallowing with the pigs, starving and all alone. He's wandered into emptiness. Ever relate to that kind of a feeling? And this idea of wandering, this Easter, this has been a theme that really has been heavy on my heart over these last few weeks and months as I've been getting ready. I have the joy, it's one of the blessings of my position, I have the joy of meeting with people, you know, almost weekly and just wonderful folks who are just in the midst of struggle and challenges of life and it has felt like that has ramped up in this last season. These feelings of... I. I've lost myself, right, in the midst of all the things that are going on. I don't even know who I am anymore. We've, we've had, feels like marriages under greater attack and, and more pressure on our marriages and folks just feeling disconnected and, and isolated and yet living in the same house, those emotions that there are, even those feelings of, of my faith has just been dry. 
It's been empty. I, I felt isolated, and I'm not even sure God hears me at times. It has been all of those kind of feelings that have been there. Really, the, the, the sense has been the theme over and over. I feel like I'm just wandering, aimless. I'm not sure where I'm going and where I'm heading and how I feel about that. I can relate to that. I mean, that certainly, as your pastor, that has been an emotion that has been heavy in these last seasons. In my 30-plus years of ministry, this has been some of the most unsettling times in chartered waters that I've ever experienced in all of those years that have been there. We've seen what the local church, right, how we define church. That's been redefined right before our, our very eyes. We've We've had the idea of what it really means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, challenged in new and different ways. And in 2022, all of that has moved us, right, into different ways of, of thinking. We've wandered into new habits, new senses of what my comfort zone looks like, uh, new patterns of what faith is all about. And so in the context of that kind of feeling, if I can... You'd allow me just take a few moments just to speak to you as the church because my heart is heavy with the reality of what we face. Uh, latest Pew report came out for March 2022, and the statistics remind us probably what we've seen and experienced that only 67% of people have returned to church who were regular attenders in church prior to the COVID deal. Only 67%. That means 33% are disconnected and, and wandering. Now, we know many are watching online today. We know thousands will join, uh, you know, thousands of folks will join us today online, but they're just folks that have been disconnected along those ways. And my fear is that we have allowed culture to redefine what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We've allowed, if we're not careful, the, these attitudes of consumerism to overcome the calling that God has placed upon our lives and so on a day like today, I'm so grateful that so many of you are here with us. We had a packed house last hour. So grateful so many of you are back with us today. So grateful for many of you that have just been steadfast during this season of time. But we have learned this, right, that isolation, disconnectedness, consumerism never moves us closer to the heart of God and makes us more like Jesus. It's the challenge we have. And so if you have been wandering during this time, can I just say to you, a, so grateful you're here. We miss you. We need you. And in reality, is you need us. This thing called the body of Christ is something that we have to get to, to do together. And so I just want to encourage, if that's you in this season, would you just make Easter 2022 your homecoming? And just recommit to the Lord, God, I am in a part of what it means to be the family together. You know, for some of you, this idea of wandering, it's far deeper than just church attendance. It's been a part of your life story, if you're really honest. There have just been consistent seasons where you've had this feeling of wondering, like, like who am I, right? I know what people say I am. I know the roles I play in life, but, but who am I? What, what's my purpose? I've lost this sense of, of inner peace, Right? You're successful on, on the outside. Your Instagram posts, they are on point. All of that is great. But there's this inner longing and this inner emptiness that when you put your head on the pillow, you feel it and you sense it, and that sense of wandering is, is palatable. This is where the prodigal son finds himself in, in Luke chapter 15. When he's left with nothing but his thoughts, wallowing in a pig pen, he has a very honest and very vulnerable question that he asks himself. 
And it's a question I want to propose to you this Easter morning. And here's the question. When I wonder, when I wonder, do I wonder what God thinks of me? See, I ask you this question because how you answer this question greatly affects your ability to experience what we're talking about and singing about today, this idea of a homecoming. It's a very vulnerable question. It's not an easy question, but listen, there are no easy questions in 2022 anymore, right? Here's the question. What does God think of me? Now, when I ask this question, can I just encourage you? What what was the first thing that came into your mind, right? Don't, don't take time to rationalize it and try to sterilize it and try to hyper-spiritualize it. I mean, what was your gut response? What does God think of me? I drive Uber, and so it's a fascinating way to get to know your city in different amazing ways. And so this last week, uh, I had a writer and uh, this conversation of, hey, church, I'd love to invite you to, to Easter services. And he simply responds this way. He says, man, he says, no way. He says, I, I, there's no way I've ever, if I walk into a church, God's going to burn the place down. Now, be at ease. He didn't make it this morning. Some of you just got nervous, like you're looking for exit signs. Like, if this thing goes up, how am I getting out of here, right? Now, it's kind of a funny response initially on the surface, but he wasn't joking. At the very core, it's a, it's a heartbreaking response. His feeling was simply this. <laughs> if God knew my lifestyle and choices I'm making, an angry God would certainly burn the place down if I ever walked into a building. And the prodigal son, at his moment of reflection in Luke chapter 15, views his father through the same lens of shame that my Uber rider viewed his heavenly father. God would be so angry at me and so disappointed. I'm sure he would burn the place down. The prodigal son, I'm sure he would disown me So listen to the words of the prodigal son. This is his heart, an honest vulnerability. This is how I view God and how I think God will respond to me. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 19. Now here's the shame. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Servants. It's the question. When I wander, do I wonder what God thinks of me? Let's take a moment this morning and personalize that, right? To our own lives. When you reflect on the decisions of your life, both good and bad, do you think God's disappointed in you? Do you think God's angry with you and he just desires to punish you for your failures? The challenge is, if that's our thinking, let's move it a step deeper, then it really creates in us some really deep emotions. And I know these emotions because they're emotions I've experienced and I feel sometimes in my own life when I think about that. But that kind of thinking creates feelings of this, right? Of being unworthy, of being disqualified. Like I'm just damaged goods that never will really amount to a whole lot of anything. I have no real future. And if those are the emotions in my heart and the the feelings that are in my head, then here's the question, why would I ever wanna come home, right? If coming to church makes me feel shame, then I'm gonna avoid church at all cost. 
if I think God is annoyed with me, then why would I ever seek God? Because if I ever found God, then I would just feel terribly about, about myself and God would be angry with me. Why would I want a homecoming if this is what home brings to me? You know what I'm saying? For some of you understand that. In, in a moment of honesty, look, you are stuck in your faith journey at this point because of your thinking and understanding of who God is and how God views you. Because if I think shame is gonna be the thing that God's gonna put down on me, then why would I wanna get any closer to God? And unfortunately, as the church, the big C church and the little church, we've reinforced that feeling. To you, I say, I'm sorry. That's not the heart of God. It's not who God says he is. And so I wanna answer that question for us this Easter morning because if we can have a correct understanding of how God sees us, then the beauty is it brings us hope, it brings us freedom, and it brings us the ability to change. And that's what I love about Easter. Easter is this. Easter is the culmination of God's homecoming plan for you and I. It's the fulfillment of God's sacrificial love. I love this. And his desire to have a relationship with us. Let me give an example. Let me list for you one of the most famous verses in the Bible. If you don't know very many, you've probably heard this one. John 3, 16. And when you hear it, be reminded of what motivates God to have this kind of response to you. John 3, 16. For God, here's the key, so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That God is motivated, almost is by his love, and the great part about his love is it's a love that precedes your great behavior. It's the very definition of what we would call unconditional love. Because the reality is this, listen, if you could clean yourself up before you ever came to God, then why would you need God? Right? Sometimes we have this mindset, like, I got to get right, I got to get it all figured out before I ever come to God. Listen, if you could do all that on your own, you'd have no need for God in your life. So as we walk through these doors every week, listen, can I just remind you, as you walk through the doors of our church, listen, uh, you walk into a place that is not full of perfect people by any means. You walk into a room of flawed people who gather together to experience the love and the grace and the change in our life that Jesus can make. I'm reminded of this, that, that church is not for perfect people. Jesus didn't come for perfect people. Because if perfection was the ticket that you had to have to have entrance into these doors, can I just remind you that this building would be empty. This stage would be empty if perfection was the thing that was required. Amen? So let's go back to Luke chapter 15. And let's let Jesus tell us who his heavenly father is. Let him describe to you who God is. And as you hear these words, listen, don't let your past don't let your failures, don't even let the words of your earthly father define and tell your story. God says very clearly, listen, this is the God of Easter. His motivation for enduring the cross, his willingness to, in the power of the resurrection, he says, this is who I am, and I'm going to tell you in three simple stories. I'm going to tell you in a parable, easy stories that have a divine truth, parable of the prodigal son, the lost sheep, and the lost coin. So Luke chapter 15, and here's his words. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So just I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together all of her friends and she neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I love this. These are not the words of a harsh and an angry God who demands that you do better before he will accept you. These are words of a father who loves his children even when they wander. And I wanted to share that important truth with you this Easter day. I mean, because ultimately this, this is the gospel, right? This is what the Bible says is the good news. And I don't know what you, I, I could use a little good news uh, in this day and age, in this time. I, there have been moments, and you might be able to relate to this, that it has just felt a little bit overwhelming there have been times that just bad news has seemed to stick. Negativity seems to roam. Haters seem to have the loudest voices you go. There have been moments I felt like I'm in a peanut cartoon and I'm like Pigpen. You know the guy? Little dark cloud that just keeps following them wherever you go. You ever been there? You just can't go. You can't outrun it. You can't pretend it's not there. It just keeps following you and hovering wherever you go. You can't drink it, you can't smoke it, you can't work out of it. You know, I mean, no matter all these things we try to get rid of the cloud, it just stays and it just follows. And in those moments, right, when it's so overwhelming, I'm left with the decision. Am I just gonna power up and try to work through this? Just gonna be better, just gonna do, just, or in this moment when the cloud seems so heavy, am I willing to release of my own control and call out to God? I mean, there are two choices. We've all faced these moments in these seasons in these last couple years where the cloud seems so heavy. And really the question is, listen, can I honestly trust God with my raw emotions? Can I acknowledge where I am at this moment? Can he handle my junk and the feeling? And what will God say? Can I just remind you, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is, is preaching to a crowd full of pig pens, right? The, the cloud is heavy, and he has these words to them. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. And when he saw the crowds, here's the key, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I love this because it reminds me that God sees your life and God knows your life. God sees the things in us we don't even wanna admit to ourselves. God knows the good and the bad and the ugly. And he has compassion, here's the key, towards us even when we struggle and he has compassion even during seasons of our unbelief. And that's the good news, right? That's the essence of the gospel, that I do not wander alone. So this Holy Week, uh, on this Easter morning, I, I love what God offers us. He offers us hope, he offers us healing, he offers us a, a better future. He wants to wash away this dark cloud that sometimes seems to be hovering over us, and we know this to be the cloud of sin in our lives, and Jesus says, I have an answer for us. 
The Bible reminds us, and we sang about it earlier, and Josh spoke a little bit about it earlier, the reminder of this, that our sin, our shortcomings, our failures have separated us from a holy and, and a just God. But Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, which was required because of the separation that it created between us and God. And when Jesus' death on the cross, he made a bridge between us and our heavenly Father. But I love the story that it didn't end on the cross. You see, many men died on a cross. But the resurrection is so important because it takes this selfless act of love and it grounds it in the power of the almighty God. This is what's different than Jesus' death on the cross and the thousands of other people who died on the cross. He says, man, the resurrection gives it the power. 740 years before the resurrection of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah And Isaiah chapter 53 says, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen on this holy week. 740 years before he prophesied about it. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, I'm gonna prophesy, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. And he gives this example. He says, I'm gonna be like Jonah. Three days and three nights, I'm gonna be in the heart of the earth. And so on that third day, when Jesus, when the stone rolled away and Jesus rose from the dead, he fulfilled not only prophecy that was given 740 years ago, he fulfilled prophecy that he said would be true in his own life. But when he walked out of that tomb, he not only fulfilled that prophecy, but he validated his own words, that he was the son of God that he did what he said that he would do and that he is who he says that he was and because of that, he has power not only over sin, but he has power over death itself. And because of that, he has paved a homecoming that you and I might have a relationship with God. And he extends this loving, compassionate, understanding invitation to you and to me if we'll simply just believe but it leaves us with a decision, right? I no longer have to wonder because God has told me what he thinks of me. But I have to decide, do I wanna continue to wander in my life? The prodigal son, he he reaches this moment of decision and in a moment of, of clarity, he really assesses his life honestly. His wandering at this moment has literally cost him everything and he's tried to live by his own rules and his own way of doing it and it's only led him farther into despair. So in a moment of humility, in a moment of repentance, he opens his hands and he releases control of his life and says, it's time for me to come home. So he begins this journey home And as the road that leads to the house is nearing in the distance, he begins to wonder what his heavenly or what his father, how he will respond, right? As he gets closer, we know this. If he was an angry father, if he was a disappointed father, he's not gonna miss this opportunity when the prodigal son comes home to say what? I told you so, right? You ever been there? I knew you weren't gonna amount to anything. I knew you were gonna waste it all. You are such a disappointment. You brought shame onto me and onto our family and onto our family name. We've all had that experience, haven't we? The moment we were the lowest, somebody took that opportunity to kick us. When we were struggling and most vulnerable, somebody chose to add more shame onto where we were always feeling. I mean, this was the moment. 
But if you're listening at all today, you've got the theme and you're understanding. Listen, Jesus says, I'm teaching you this story so you understand that your heavenly father does not view you that way. That the response of your heavenly father is going to be much different. So we go on to verse 20. Here's the response. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, the father saw him in same theme and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. How many of you need to hear that today? That God is running towards you, not away from you. Those moments that we feel like God is far from us, can I be reminded there's one person who's running in the wrong direction and it is not God. From the very beginning, God has postured himself with his arms open and his hands wide here to receive you and accept you with the compassionate love of a father to his child. And it's us who have turned and chosen to run in the opposite direction. Hebrews chapter four tells us a little bit more. Jesus says, I want you to understand how much I understand the struggles of your life. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, he says this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is ever respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Here's the key then. Because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. God says this, have confidence. Turn, come home. Why? Because I promise this is what you're going to experience. You're going to experience grace and mercy. And grace doesn't deny our wandering. Grace doesn't turn a blind eye to sin and pretend our bad choices haven't happened and hurt hasn't been there. Grace simply says this, I love you in spite of your wandering. Grace says this, my eyes are wide open to your shortcomings and your failures and your hypocrisy and your inconsistency and your selfishness and your self-absorbed world you live in. My grace sees all of this and yet I still love you because I really see you and I know you. I mean, that's grace, right? Unmerited favor that comes. So I don't have to wonder what God thinks of me. He's told me. He loves me accepts me, and he invites me to come home. So the question really is, will you believe? Are you willing to release the control of your own life and just trust him with your life? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, reminds us how we do this, and it simply says this, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Reminder, listen, the resurrection, what we celebrate today is central to our belief and it's central to our confession. That Jesus is who he says that he is and that he did what he said that he will do. Salvation, the very essence of us is grounded. I love this. It's grounded in the Easter story. And because of that, we're told that we can be saved we can experience a homecoming if we simply will believe. And then Romans goes on to say, how do we do that? Verse 10. For with your heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So this morning, I just want to take a moment and give you a moment just to be still. 
just between you and the Lord. And so if you would, just bow your heads this morning in a moment of just quietness. What is God speaking to your heart today? What is he reminding you about what he thinks of you? What is he maybe speaking truth into your heart for the very first time? Today, do you need to experience a homecoming? Do you need to experience the grace and the mercy? And as the Bible says, today, do you need to be saved? In just a moment, I'm gonna say a prayer that simply does what that verse says. It expresses with our mouth what we're feeling in our hearts. And if that's you today, I wanna invite you to just say this prayer with me. And so with our heads bowed, if that's just you today, if you're feeling that sense of God calling you towards that homecoming, I'd love just to pray with you and for you. And so if it's you today, would you just in the quietness of this moment, just if you just put your hand up and put it down that I can just pray with you and for you today. Amen. 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 Anyone else today? Let's pray together. If that's you, just say these words. It's not a magical prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's just your attitude of your heart that just says, God, I, I need to come home. I need to humble myself, repent, and ask you to take charge of my life. So let's pray that together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me in spite of my wandering. God, today I acknowledge that my sin has separated me from you. But God, I thank you that you loved me enough that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. God, I thank you that three days later you rose from the dead to show that you not only had power over death, but that you had power over my sin. So Father, today I'm placing my trust in you alone for the forgiveness of my sins and for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, today, if you made that decision, we could not be more excited for you. I love the way the parable ends out in verse 32. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And would you just join me? We had 13 people last hour that gave their life to Christ. We had many this hour that did. Just celebrate that with me. And celebrate your decision. We are so grateful. So excited for you. No greater decision could you make on Easter morning of all mornings. And I want to invite you just to do a couple things, if you would. If you made that decision this morning, in the seat backs in front of you, there's just a little card that's here to, just for those that made, the, if you made that decision. I want to invite you right after our service, if you'll take this card and just right outside our doors, you head out just on the right there. You're going to see some tables that are there and just some folks are there. And we've got a book we've made specially just for you for this moment called The Decision. 
to just answer some questions about what just happened. How do I know this is real? What do I go next? How do I take these next steps? I also got the book of John that's in there. It's a beautifully illustrated way, just a way for you to grow in your faith. And so I want to invite you right after the service, just take this card, head right out the table. Some of our folks will be there. They'd love to just take that and give you this, uh, this book and just encourage you in your faith. Maybe you've got questions today and you're just not at a point like, I'm not quite there, but I have some questions. Just go talk with one of them. They'll spend as little <laughs> or as much time as you'd like to, uh, but we just want to come alongside you and to help you along this way. It's a homecoming. How we view our Heavenly Father so dictates our willingness to come home and how we approach that. To close the day on this Easter morning, can I just remind you that God loves you. God is compassionate towards your struggle. And he stands today with open arms. So if you know the Lord, may you just enter into this homecoming with joy and excitement of who God is and how much he thinks of you, even when you don't think that much of yourself. It's the gift of Easter. It's the hope of Easter that we serve a God who does. And so let's close our time this morning. Why don't you stand with me and let's sing and let's celebrate that truth of what the homecoming means to us. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church Podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content. Thank you.